music. Some call it the universal language. It evokes memory, emotion, physiological responses at every life stage and every listener. It's a high art form that allows the musician to tap into the verbally inexpressible ideas in their own soul and lets them share them with the world. And often, though, we see music along with the arts tamped down by school curriculum or devalued in everyday practice as something that is an assumed right or not as valuable as athletics or science when it comes to learning things. But I can tell you from personal experience, being a musician and living with music has woven itself into every area of my life, and only by its influence, it's enabled me to tap into my own creativity and understand the world around me. How can music do that? Think about this as we launch out onto the loop and discuss the muse of music today on Curiosity Continuum. Everybody, this is Josh, and this is Brian. Thank you for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. For those of you tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends who want to spark your curiosity, help you integrate information, enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world. We want to do this by sharing conversations with you that explore, examine, and reframe common practical topics. If you want to receive updates when new content is available, please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can receive notifications when there is something new to listen to. We appreciate you, our listeners, for engaging with us and sharing your own curiosities with your friends and with us as we explore topics together. As always, you can find us on curiositycontinuum.com and on our social media accounts, and we thrive on your feedback and hope we can start a conversation with you soon. So before we get into it, um, have you gotten any recent feedback that you want to discuss, Bri? I think uh, more and more as I, I've actually, this is not direct feedback on the podcast, but I was talking to a new colleague today, just doing some uh, general networking and such. I was floating some of the ideas about the analog and digital world. And this particular gentleman has uh, been in IT for his career. He's really focused on automation. And I was asking him, I said, what do you see as kind of one of the major gaps coming into the workforce now with young professionals or people in general? And what it boiled down to really was base understanding. He said, we've come so far in technology or doing things that there's actually a lack of understanding now about some of the base foundational things that make things work. Sure. You think about coding. You think about um, even like, hey, it's just easy. You push this button and the window for the car goes down. It just all works. That's kind of a lot of things, I think, today that we just kind of take them for granted that they're always going to work. Yeah. And part of this part of this podcast is to help you be aware of how things actually work, so you kind of go back to the root and understand everything that comes after it. Right, right. So that's where we kind of like, um, I think we're going to transition into today's topic. You know, and Brian is like, he's really into music, music theory, um, plays the bass, plays the piano, plays a bunch of things. He sings great. Um, kind of like everything that I don't do um, with music, he does. <laughs> so it's pretty awesome to talk to him about it. And I know a lot of people... Uh, myself included, are kind of more interested in kind of like things that, you know, Brian and I both do. And this is one thing to kind of get more insight into Brian. Absolutely. And thanks for the kind words, man. Uh, this is a topic that Josh actually brought to me. I said, can we talk about it a little bit? And, and remember, the title is called The Muse of Music. And um, this is really more in context. You don't have to be a musician to really understand right. this. And uh, if you're a musician, it'll, it'll just be good reminders of things. 
sometimes uh, you're, you're in something so much that you forget that other folks maybe don't understand it. So I kind of want to talk about it in general context. And this is because uh, growing up in the U.S., you know, I learned Western music. And so when we talk about Western music, we're really talking about the 12 tones of music. And it's really strange to think about, but all the music that we really hear in the Western world comes from 12 tones. That's it. And they just repeat again and again and again and again. So um, music is so diverse in its expression, but it really, it, there's a system that goes along with it. And over the years, you know, we said that we were going to, uh, in the 40s, attune to 440. There's been some folks that deviate from it, but essentially, you know, you're tuning to those tones. The things that you can vary in a structure of music, you can rhythm, and that's meaning like how you uh, like phrase the note. So it could be just boom, 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 or boom, ba, boom, ba, boom, ba, boom. Very simple example, but how you're placing those in time matters. Um, tempo is also something, how fast or slow something is. And those things usually will give you a different feeling about how fast or slow something's moving. When you think about that in music, you say, well, music's so creative and does stuff, but it's very structural. So you'd be surprised that even though, you know, there might be some musicians that maybe, you know, think, well, they can't be good at math or something. There's a lot of fantastic mathematicians that are actually musicians right. because they, some of them actually are very good at math, math, like we would understand. But a lot of them too, if they don't, they understand how to place things in time and it's mathematically dividing up a song. It's how you have spaces and things. And so it's more of a felt construct versus something that you maybe study in a classroom. So, and that's where, so Brian, oh, I want to just kind of like, kind of um, stop you for a second. So when you're like learning how to do this, how, how do they teach you how to do this? Do you listen to a bunch of music? Do you sit down with an instructor and they play something and they ask you questions or, you know, how do you understand this? Like, how do you understand the basic structure of it? That, that's a great question. So, um, I was adopted and the family that I was adopted into actually they're tone deaf. My mom and dad were tone deaf and they were not musical people at all. And here comes this very musically inclined child that at the age of one, I would sit in front of the record player for half an hour, not moving, just listening to records. Right. So they knew like, boy, this, this, you know, young boy's got some music in his, in his heart and mind. So. Some of it was uh, like early piano lessons. So you mentioned I played the piano, but it was just for a short while where I could kind of start to understand the structure of music. Right. And that was really more of my first formal training. It didn't go very far. Um, I really wanted to play like the level four folks, and I was playing my little dinky, dinky, dinky right. up on the <laughs> stage. And I was like, oh, um, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. But it really helped add some structure to it. When you ask like how people are taught... Um, I didn't, because my parents weren't musicians, I didn't have them to guide me say, here's the things you should learn first. Here's the things that we should expose you to. I actually didn't have that. And so what I ended up doing actually as a curious person was always grabbing from other things that I could understand music from. So some people say, Hey, I learned all the classical things or whatever. I just listened a lot to the radio and I listened to a lot of songs and I would also listen to other instruments because before. Before I started playing bass, and I didn't play start playing bass till I was 14, I listened to piano and other stuff, and I was drawing from that into myself without really knowing it. So I say that to say this. Your musical development, you pull from so many different sources about you. You love how one person phrased something. You like how this person's style was. Right. You like what they did. So you, you kind of pull and, your own your own way of doing it from other people. 
Correct. And part of the musical development is you actually will like mimic people. Sure. And then you kind of move into making your own voice. And so like you find people, man, this person really inspires me to play a certain way. And then you work to kind of sound like them. And then you, as you move to the next step, you're actually taking it, integrating it. And now it's you. And part of that process is becoming comfortable with your own voice, which is very much a, um, a personal thing too. You become comfortable with who you are and what you're doing and it's specific to you. And so like if like you, Josh, for example, like you talked about science, right? You talk about how you talk about it. Or if you, um, you know, made a meal in the kitchen, like you're going to do it like how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so all those things are extensions of yourself and you might've been inspired by something that day to say, Hey, I'm going to cook a meal like this. I'm going to do that. Same thing happens with music, except you're kind of hearing auditory information and you're saying like, how do I categorize this? What do I do with it? Sure. So, so in a way you're like, you listen, you pull from, you know, you pull from this person, that person, this person, but you're always trying to make your own, your own way. Yeah. You want to put it together. Um, if it, when I, when I first learned piano and I was starting to learn scales, that's learning the notes that appear right. in a specific key, right? Right. And so those are things, especially on a piano, are very pattern-based, and you have to learn those things. That's important. However, the thing that unlocked music for me the most in my uh, young adult years was actually uh, a woman by the name of Carol Kay. Now, for those of you who don't know, don't know Carol, she is like the queen of the electric bass, and she was one that really moved that instrument forward in his formative years. She started playing professional jazz guitar back in uh, 1949. And she was in LA during the, uh, the rise of kind of bebop and everything in the LA jazz scene. When all the jazz clubs turned into rock clubs, all the jazz players went into the studio. And one day a bass player didn't show up and she picked up the bass and the rest is history. She has, I think over 10,000 studio credits to her name, uh, Beach Boys, Motown, Nancy Sinatra, uh, theme songs on TV, uh, the Shaft theme song. Like everything. <laughs> everything you can think yeah. of. And, you know, it's a group of players that really could navigate that because by learning to play jazz, they could play just about anything and come up with different styles along the way. Especially in that era in the 60s and 70s, you heard a lot of the same musicians again and again just expressing themselves differently because they had the toolkit. Sure. So scales by notes is up and down, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight could take you to say, okay, here's the components of it. What Carol did for me was uh, what most jazz musicians did. They learned chordal theory. And what that means is like, rather than just notes after notes, it was how you group the notes together. So, um, you know, you have a C major chord. Um, you have a, you know, a minor chord. You have something like that. When she began to say it actually matters how you skip notes and how you put them together and how they move, that's when I began to understand how music was constructed and flowed. So part of it gives you kind of like, here's the tools or something, but this is how you actually drive the car. And that was something when she explained that to me and I started to work it out technically on my instrument where it really opened up my ears. And I began to go, oh, so that song is like this song and this song is like that. Because sometimes I felt like I always had to start from scratch learning a song. I'm like, well, how does this one go? Or I don't right. know what's going to Instead come of pulling next. from your own experience. Right. What this did, it gave me a set of tools to listen to go. Songs follow a, a particular cycle, especially in styles or whatever, and you can kind of listen your way through. And 
some of that is uh, a talent, but a lot of it you can train yourself. So some people ask me uh, when I they start playing something, I can jump in. And they said, you have perfect pitch. And uh, I don't. A lot of musicians actually don't. They have uh, trained relative pitch. Right. So it's kind of like they hear something go, that's similar to this. Because remember, there's only 12 tones total. And if you can kind of like have a memory or remember what those are like, you can kind of work your way to something else because mm-hmm. you can hear the difference and fall into it. Now, for some folks, it goes, well, it still sounds like that voodoo magic that you're doing <laughs> to be able to um, to do that kind of stuff. But really, there's, there's set structures. And once you become familiar with that, you start to demystify how music is put together. And it's, a, it's creativity within a structure. And then you start to apply how you maybe uh, express those things in that time frame. Okay. So now that you've kind of like got us thinking about this, you've got us on the, we kind of understand how music is put together. How do we, it's just like individual people, how do we apply stuff like this? It's a great question. Um, let me say this about music. It, I was thinking about this today as uh, Josh and I were kind of talking back and forth about what we wanted to record for this particular podcast. Music is something that, and this is kind of the challenge for the the week or the month, is listen to some songs from specific times in your life, you know, because there's a soundtrack that kind of follows you wherever you go. Sure. Not like on movies, although that'd be really cool if it did. <laughs> like um, walk into a room, ta-da. <laughs> exactly. Da, da, da. Check that out. Yeah, I'm like the emperor so is here. in Star Wars. Or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh boy, we're in trouble now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, if only, if only you could hear life foreshadowed by you know certain musical cues. Yeah, John Williams would be my my personal <laughs> composer. <laughs> exactly, just following you around, you know, with a symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about those things, it takes you back to a time or almost like a timeless place, where you're like you remember who you were with, you remember what you were doing, sure. you remember the the situation. And it's strange. It's almost like a form of time travel because it takes you somewhere viscerally, even though you haven't actually left the room that you're right. in. Right. And you might remember different um, details. Correct. Yeah. And so some of that also, too, it's weird about it, though, is that it makes a, something feel timeless, but music can only be experienced in time. Right. Because if you stop music, that's called pausing the song, and then there's nothing, there's not music anymore. Right. It's kind of this weird thing. When you start to think about that think about just um without even purposely trying to apply music you can remember certain things about that i was with my friends this was the summer of junior year in high school right this is what we were doing so even those things that you weren't trying to immediately associate with something you're automatically doing that because you're putting some structure around some other things to reinforce the memory of it right and so a lot of times too when um you have people say, you know, how do you learn and what things can you do? You know, studies that show like, hey, if you listen to classical music, it's, it helps you learn. It helps you do things, right? Sometimes, too, if they're sensory things, something like my son shouldn't listen to music for certain subjects because he needs the concentration for it. But other ones, he'll actually flourish by doing it. So there's a lot of times when you start looking at something creative and you go, I have no idea how that works. I, like, I can't be creative. Like, I can't understand that. Like, that's just so beyond me. And I guarantee you that there's something in you that can be expressed creatively. It's just not defined the way that we would normally think it is, especially now, where like it's an artist or it's um, a musician or somebody like that as a creative person. Right. The, the, the important thing to do is to actually 
look at something creative and say, what type of structure is underneath it? Because there's something there that is playing against. Um, some of the best uh, people at geometry are actually artists because they feel how the piece should be composed, right? Okay. They understand, like, this is the slope of the line and this is the curve of whatever. And that's something that mathematically can be studied and shown to say this is what beautiful composition looks like. But that's something that an artist can inherently, intuitively know. So even if you're not, uh, in, like, you would think yourself as a creative person, like, there's a way that you express yourself in a way that can't necessarily be put down in ones and zeros on the page. And that's something that's unique to you, and I encourage everybody to find that, whatever it is. And maybe play some music along with it to take you back to a time to inspire you to have certain emotions and things that you can start to apply to whatever you're doing. Okay. So when you apply these things, I mean, are they like, so like, let's just say I'm going to listen to a song, or I'm thinking of that, and I'm thinking of an issue or a problem I'm having. Let's just say you're just like not really feeling very good today. You know? Yeah. So everybody has those days where you're kind of like, blah. And for a lot of people, it's Monday. But, you know, I mean, like, we have a lot of things in our lives. Everybody's being pulled different ways, different directions. Do you find that music, and even just in general, just helps you kind of focus, refocus your life a little bit? Yes. And I think because it brings in a completely other factor that, like, you can't necessarily intellectualize out right you know what i'm saying right um it's a very visceral thing and sometimes those decision making things as much as we have you know our, our our neocortex and everything like that the limbic system is actually the thing making decisions but that's where music i think is hitting you know uh sometimes music can be intellectual or the lyrics can be intellectual but it really hits you at a level where you can't always put it into words you just know that it does something to you and so like if you're faced with like a difficult decision and you're trying to work through stuff and you're getting tired mentally to do it, you put on a song and it will completely change how you're viewing the situation because it's a, it's a perspective thing. Right. Even if it's something that's a temporary three-minute uh, reset, you know, uh, there's a song that I love from uh, the Transformers, the movie from 1985, the animated movie, and it's the song The Touch by Stan Bush. And there have been times where I'm going like, I am not killing it i don't fact i don't remember the last time i went out and killed it today and i will put that song on <laughs> you know and i'm transported back to when i'm watching saturday morning cartoons and love and life just like a simpler time like a simpler time yeah and like how i how i wanted the autobots to win over the decepticons as silly as that sounds that song i play pretty regularly i'm going like you know i need to go in the thing. i'm gonna go slay it and i do that because it kind of pumps you up or it changes like, yeah, I can do this. And it's a really strange way it enters in. Just know that there are, there are physiological things, which is well beyond uh, the, <laughs> the scope of this particular episode of the podcast and things. But uh, just know how that affects you and how it affects others too. And so if you have the gift of music, understand that you wield a great power, not only in the lives of other musicians, but in the lives of people. And uh, you have the power to influence them for the positive or the negative. And oftentimes, I think we find ourselves going back to something that is going to almost provide a safe place for us to be able to sure. feel something and get lost in the moment. Sure. So I think that's probably a good place to kind of put a comma, huh, Brian? I think so. There's so many other places we could take this. And uh, while this is just a very scattershot overview, if you're a musician or you have other questions about how music might 
be useful, please talk to us because um, there's many different ways. And if you ask me to talk about music, I could talk for a long <laughs> time. And that's the 21-hour podcast. I just think the goal here is to get kind of like the overview and then let people yes. kind of decide or just kind of take it on a journey for themselves. Yes. Because, you know, we don't want to like tell everybody what to do. <laughs> we got it. We get <laughs> enough of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go explore something yourself. Exactly. So, so yep. I, I, like I said to Brian before, I think this is a great time to put a comma in the conversation. So until next time, this is Josh. And this is Brian. For Curiosity Continuum.